What's your dream? What's your goal? What's your motivation? What's important to you? What's your passion? What can you do to change the world? This is What's Involved. Conversations with thought leaders and change makers from around the world. Hear stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate people like you to live your life, find your passion, and live your dream. Together, we can all bring positive change to our world. Now, here's your host, David Watts. And once again, it is another edition of What's Involved. And and I've been looking forward to talking to these guys um, and also, you know, feeling a little jealous. Who am I talking about and what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Andrew Ray and uh, Peter Neville, and uh, they've just uh, released a uh, book recently called Memoirs of a Safari Guide. And I got to tell you, it's probably one of the best books uh, I've read. And not just because I've been in the industry and I can relate uh, to so many of these things and more to the unsaid things having been there. But anyway, we're going to get into all of this. Andrew, Peter, good day. Welcome. Great to have you on the show with us. Much obliged. Thanks for having us. Right now that we got the intros part or the intro part out of the way, uh, let's uh, let's just get straight in. We'll start with you, Andrew. Um, give us a bit of your background, a bit of your history. You know, you were you were born amidst the the sprawling plains of Africa. However, it was for you. Let us know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, David, I uh, born and raised in in northern suburban Joburg in the in the seventies. Uh, you know, uh, the country uh, folk will remember what what that looked like back then and um had had no real uh basis for the safari industry in the sense that you know my dad's my dad's a retired clergyman uh, i i uh, i never really plugged into the industry that way but i i have i have parents who introduced me to africa's wild spaces in in a holiday from a holiday perspective very early on and so i was exposed to all these amazing uh, destinations, you know, parts of Botswana and Zimbabwe, and uh, the Kruger was a regular, you know, hiking in the Berg. The, that was holiday for our family, and so at a really early age, I was exposed and and in a, in a really positive way, and just had had this amazing, very early on appreciation and love for all things wild and and open, and and that's that's. You know, as a kid, I just had this single-minded obsession with getting into the bush as soon as I was finished with school and and studies. Um, university, I studied nature conservation, and um, moved into the industry in the in the early nineties um, as the country and its politics were changing, and kind of by happenstance, found myself in the safari industry, and found out that I really loved it. I loved engaging with people and showing. Uh, these beautiful places to them, and and that was thirty years ago. I, I haven't looked back. Yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Wow. Okay. So let's move on to <laughs> on to you, Peter. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background and your history, because um, you're not a South African. I've already picked that up by, by your voice. So, so jump in and let us know about Peter. I, I'm I'm a little bit peculiar these days. I, I was born and raised in the UK, and just about the time Andrew was being born, I had a, a shed full and a garden full of all sorts of animals. So I, I come very much from the kind of companion animal um, end of life. 
Um, I now live in Croatia and I have a Finnish residency. So uh, life gets more and more crazy. Um, but uh, back in the, uh, the early 80s, uh, my brother drove uh, a Land Rover from London to Nairobi. And when he got there uh, and done it, he invited me to come out and take over the Land Rover and, and drive around Kenya. And I'd, I'd never been uh, out of Europe at that point. Uh, so I duly did. And I, I spent two or three months um, from north to south, east to west in Kenya. And I got infected. I got infected with the Africa bug. And, and it, you know, one, it's like malaria. You never get rid of it. Once it's in your system, once you've sat in a herd of 500 elephants, uh, once you've, you know, been caught outside the truck and heard a lion two feet away, you know, you, you are infected. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, I contrived, uh, you know, to, 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 to get back to Africa. And I didn't really make it. Um, I, I, I went on a, a different career in animal behavior uh, in the UK. And I didn't really get back to Africa until I was invited by the lovely South African Veterinary Association to come out and give a series of lectures in 1991. So I then was lucky enough at someone else's expense to tour uh, your lovely country. And, and that just, you know, the, the infection rose up mightily. And from then on, I was just contriving ways to try to get out to, to anywhere in Africa, frankly. But um, it, it kind of, uh, in, two, in the early 2000s, colleague of mine at Oxford University uh, had a PhD student studying the African wild dog up in the Limpopo. And I was heading down um, to give another lecture, actually, in Cape Town. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to fly up there and see what this is all about, because I'd never seen an African wild dog. I'd seen everything, but not an African wild dog. Oh, and leopards. I'd only ever seen the backside of the leopard. So I, I went out there and had a wonderful time. I thought, you know what? I can start running safaris here. I've got lots of dog and, and, and cat and veterinary uh, colleagues by now. Um, I was teaching in America by then at the Ohio State University. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to put group trips on. So I did, and, and that all went extremely well. I still never saw, uh, I saw lots of wild dogs, but I never saw more than the backside of a leopard um, until 2015 uh, when I wanted to put a trip together for family and friends and uh, a, a mutual friend, uh, Wendy uh, Collinson, as was, uh, introduced me to Andrew. And from then on, my my old life dissipated and my new life started you know i i i was in I, it took me a long time but now my life is all about running backwards and forwards to africa all the time with andrew and oh. he's a <laughs> company ray safari so it, it's, it's a, a tough know, life eh? it's a nemesis <laughs> yeah it really I, I couldn't be happier um now andrew but, um, tell I, sorry peter andrew just tell me quickly um so you guys got together initially for a safari and yeah. While you're on the vehicle driving around, and, and I want to get into um, why the car was called Biscuit, um, sure. but, um, did you and Peter hit it off straight away, or or did he exhibit um, that level of passion and knowledge? Did you see that little sparkle? Because I've noticed all of us who love nature, the environment, wildlife, particularly going into the big five areas, we've got a little twinkle in our eye and that tends to dull when yeah. we're not there. But did you notice that? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, for me, it was, it was, it was uh, a kindred spirit, you know, the fact that we, we laugh at the same stuff. We're, we're mad about Monty Python and the goons and that kind of British humor or off, off kilter British humor. We, we, we kind of, there's a great, kind of guiding chemistry and it, it, it goes way more than just 
one's knowledge and experience. And Peter's enormously knowledgeable. Um, it's it's that chemistry surrounding hosting clients and and people having a good time. And and he was the he was the whole package. And we became this this kind of weird duo that just sort of fed off one another's sense of humor and and ability to to tell to tell yarns and create stories. And Peter Peter's Peter's angle on on animal behavior in, uh, injects a very interesting component into guiding. You know, I've always been this interpretive guy. I think we all were raised to interpret what you're seeing and and this kind of safari guiding uh, structured thing that we're all used to. And in comes this behaviorist, this professor in animal behavior, who starts looking at things from a very different perspective. And he tells the story in a in a really emphatic and profound way um, how brain and chemistry dictates how the animal moves and when that's put onto the back of a safari vehicle people are fascinated and i watched this um and looking at people eating out of his hand while he's busy talking about what this lioness is busy doing and i i just thought i've got to get this guy onto every safari vehicle anywhere in africa that i can because the it's an it's an unusual and fascinating angle, and um, yeah, that that safari in 2015, we sat on the uh, and we we just assisted with the um, the notching of a, a rhino with the Pilansburg Wildlife Foundation, and we kind of looked at each other with a lager in hand, and and he said to me, "We have to talk," and that was that was history. The rest is history, as it were. <laughs> Listen, I think I think that part of it is is wonderful, but just give us a bit of a bit of clarity as well uh, in terms of ray safaris. Um, you started off. Uh, you said in the guiding industry, um, <clears throat> it's no secret that uh, I used to be an open vehicle guide as well. Um, absolutely yeah. loved it. Uh, we've already established uh, off air that we know some of the same people, but but sure. what made you take the leap? from guiding and being a freelance guide to going, okay, this is, this is something that I want to do and I want to run my own business. I think David, I think you, you, uh, a lot of folk in their, in their sort of early forties start to get this strange perspective that, that they know enough now to try and do something for themselves. I think I caught that sickness at around that age. Um, but it, 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 it came from a, you know, a really fascinating lifetime of employment within the industry, not just from a freelance perspective, but, you know, uh, I, I developed game reserves for, for foreign investors in the Eastern Cape. Uh, we did a stint, my wife and I running a lodge in Botswana and we finished up at a lodge, um, near Mapungubwe in right up in the North in Limpopo. And, uh, the owners there were very keen on us taking over more and more of the established business. And, and we acquired in the 10 years we were there, uh, quite a, quite a nice chunk of sweat equity, which when the lodge got sold to Dutch investors, we sort of looked at this and said, well, if we're ever going to do anything for ourselves, here's the, here's the finances and here's the, the wherewithal. And we think we know what we're doing and we have a reasonable following in terms of a, a database. And so Ray Safaris was born and it, it's really, it's founded on an enormous love for adventure and for exploration. And so as quickly as possible, I wanted to 
get folk to Madagascar, to to the Serengeti, to look at the migration, to trek gorillas in Uganda. And so race safaris became more than just open vehicles and game lodges in Southern Africa. We started to push the boundaries of private safari guiding across the length and breadth of the continent and more recently off continent. Uh, Peter and I got back from Antarctica in the middle of December. So, so yeah, it's become this big adventure, privately guided, personally hosted adventure safari brand that goes to look at the edge of what is developed and to look at what's on the other side and 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 revel in the wildlife and the wild spaces that are there this is what's involved my special guests are none other than andrew ray and peter neville uh we're going to be back uh, just after this i'm going to take some time to just quietly wipe the drool off of my mouth because i am <laughs> More than a little green at the moment. We'll be back in just a bit. It is What's Involved. It's so good to have you along with us. This is What's Involved. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. More next. And we're back. What's Involved it is. My special guests, Andrew Ray and Peter Neville, talking about a book uh, that was launched a little while ago called Memoirs of a Safari Guide. And uh, I want to get into the book in, in just a bit, gentlemen. Um, first and foremost, it's a brilliant book. I love it. Um, but Thank the you. Ill the illustrations, man, the illustrations. <laughs> I, I've, I've had the privilege of, of uh, knowing and, and chatting to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, Dr. Jack, who is, yes. a, is, a, is an illustrator based in, in, in the low felt as well. Um, yes. And, and this, this is Right up there. I mean, it's 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 right up there. Uh, the illustrator is a guy by the name of Russell Jones. How did he fit into the mix? Uh, Russell's a, a very old mate of mine. Uh, we collaborated on on a lot of books in the past. Um, he's a he's a designer originally and a, a, an illustrator, you know, a proper one. Um, but he uh, he's also a jazz saxophonist, and he he's introduced me to jazz music, which I thank him for forever. Uh, but he's uh, he, he, because he's also you know wickedly uh, oriented, shall we say? Uh, he he sees life very strangely uh, when it comes to animals, which he, he's not particularly an animal person. But the stories I've had from companion animal days, and, and then of course these safaris, um, really seem to, to tickle his fancy. So he he set to work on on this book. Um, for us and, and produced what he does. And, and he, he, he captures the essence very, very well. Um, and and I, I have to say it's quite rude because, you know, some of those cartoons look suspiciously like me and Andrew. Uh, but, but, um, no, he's, he's a very old mate and uh, he's a lovely guy. And, and I, was, I was back in the UK not long ago and uh, we, we hung out for a few days and uh, cooked up some more uh, ideas for the future. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Well, listen, I'm going to put this out there right now. This, this cannot be... The only one, okay? For some reason, this this book and the way it's put together, uh, for me, is while it talks about Africa and, and, and your guiding and the Africa I love, it's a throwback to like Gerald Durrell for some reason. Um, sure. And I don't know why, okay? Because, but it is. And it, and it yeah. tugs at my heartstrings. So I'm going to ask you right now, okay? Normally I ask this at the end of the, the interview, but I can't wait. Is there going to be more memoirs? Are there going to be further memoirs of a safari guide? I think so. Yeah. I think you better. We've talked about it and, you know, the, the business continues and, and we've got some ex 
exciting destinations coming up that are going to be new for us as as private guides. So, yeah, uh, you know, the stories are going to continue. Uh, I think uh, we're probably half. We've got half the material for a new book already uh, in in these last couple of years. So, yeah, I think so. I think there'll be the further memoirs or the um, the the additional memoirs. We'll figure out a title. Ah, there's got to be. There's, there's got to be. There's yeah. no argument. You've said it now on radio. It's got to happen. <laughs> Oops. Uh, <laughs> well, you should see some of the ones we left out. You know, I mean, <laughs> those are those are the, the ones. Those are the ones I'd like to a sort of private copy of, please, because <laughs> as go. I said, having been involved in the guiding industry for quite a few years myself, um, as I said earlier on, the stories are great, but reading between the lines, it's the, it's the yeah. ones you you leave out. Um, and I have some that I actually still blush when I remember back to them. Um, but anyway, so now we, we you've got this and, and you're sounding both of you exceptionally sort of happy and, and positive and everything. Um, I know because I'm still in touch with a lot of the guards, COVID wiped them out. COVID wiped exactly. tourism out. Um, yeah. and, and I saw people whose lives were guiding not being yeah. able to get into the bush, not being able to do anything. I was fortunate that I'd moved away. Um, we're in Pretoria East at the moment, and I'm lucky enough to live in a, a nice big plot with all sorts of natural bush and, and a fair amount of, of wildlife that wanders around. Yeah, nothing big and dangerous, though. Um, so that's kind of kept me a bit sane. But the rest of these guys, how did it affect you guys? Well, uh, I mean, you're holding uh, a copy of, of one of the products of lockdown. I mean, essentially, uh, Peter and I, uh, during hard lockdown wrote, wrote books. He was sitting in Finland. Um, uh, Finnish winters are not particularly pleasant. Um, I, I don't know about, by personal experience, but he can tell you, I'm sure. Um, and so, and actually Peter conjured up this idea of men, we're climbing the walls here. Let's, let's, uh, let's start collaborating on, on a book. And, and so sanity was, 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 uh, maintained on the basis that we had a, we had some projects to work on and, and yeah, that, that's what we did. Certainly. Also from a business perspective, blessed to have a whole safari family of clientele that, that had faith in our, in our, um, our brand and didn't, didn't want their deposits back or anything like that. They postponed everything down the line until COVID was, was essentially not a thing anymore and we could resume and on the basis of of that kind of faith and trust, we were able to tick along uh, through those two dark years. So, yeah, um, incredibly fortunate. I'm, I'm I'm incredibly glad that you did manage to tick along, and um, I'm still baffled about the fact that uh, for two years we had COVID and the world was coming to an end. Sure. And one day we woke up and went, "Ah, it's not so serious. Carry on, just carry on life." Yeah. And I was like, yeah. uh, "What?" I was, uh, I, I was straight down to South Africa as, as soon as I could get out of, uh, of Finland, which, which actually didn't suffer much in terms of lockdown, but, but we couldn't travel overseas. But I was on the first plane down um, and, and, and promptly picked up the latest variant and took it back to Finland. So uh, I, was, <laughs> you, I was the one, <laughs> the one on the list. <laughs> you must have been incredibly popular. But anyway, oh, he was very popular. Been, it's finished, you know. They they got me right at the airport. I had no symptoms. I had nothing nothing wrong with me, and they, and they just said, "Oh, you you." They phoned me up in the middle of the night and said, "You're not going anywhere for a couple of weeks," which kind of wrecked. <laughs> 
there we are. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I, the only thing that I think um, is is an excuse for you not living here, Peter, is the fact that, um, from what I've seen, and again, no firsthand experience, but Croatia is a beautiful country in and of itself. Ah, it's stunning. Um, my partner is is half Finnish, half Croatian, so we're testing out the other half of her of her DNA, if you see what I mean. Because I'm afraid the UK is a no go zone for me these days. But um, uh, yeah, it's a fabulous country. We live right in the middle of Zagreb, the capital. Everything's you know walkable distance. It's very affordable. People are lovely. They're absolutely friendly. Um, and the countryside, which we've been exploring a bit uh, this month, um, just just gorgeous. I mean, I, I always find wherever there's wine and good food, people are happy. You know, it's like mm. South Africa. It's it's uh, it's there's no elephants. That's that's my problem here. There's there's no wildlife. There's bears <laughs> and there's, there's wolves. And I've been involved with the guys here at the vet school and uh, the conservation units. But you know, everything hibernates and clears off in the winter. So you, I haven't seen anything yet. I've seen where they've been, which isn't quite the same. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, listen, we've got to talk about the book. We're going to do that when we come back. Uh, this is What's Involved, my special guests, Andrew Ray and Peter Neville. Uh, we're talking about their book, Memoirs of a Safari Guide. Even if you're not remotely into wildlife or safaris or anything like that, but you are looking for entertainment and a damn good laugh. This is a book for you. Go out, get it. We'll discuss where you can get it uh, a little uh, later on as well. But we will be back and finding out about some of the stories uh, in just a little bit. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll be back in a bit. We'll be right back with more What's Involved. David would love to hear from you. To leave a voice message, visit whatsinvolved.com and click drop me a voice note. And we're back. What's involved it is uh, with my special guests, Andrew Ray, Peter Neville. We're talking memoirs of a safari guide. Now, you mentioned something earlier, Andrew, that, that when you were on this vehicle with uh, Peter, just, just the way he, he knows of animal behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. And I have something that will stick in my head forever, um, or a couple of them. But the one is um, I used to work with uh, Ian Milne, who I believe you know as well. Yep. Um, yep. And, and Ian took us out when we were still training, um, and he told us a story about turning rocks into leopards, which maybe we should share with Peter. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that. And the way he, he, he wove everything together and this behavior and the how and the why, I, I was hooked. And I mean, I am by heart a storyteller. That's why I do what I do um, sure. is, is, is stories. And I think stories are so incredibly important. Let's get into yours. I mean, you, this is a bunch of stories. So I'm going to let us just pick one or two, as you will, um, and, sure. and, and just share some that, that were memorable with us? Sure. Uh, I'll go first. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, it's, it's, it's a lifetime of, of, of stories that just make one chortle every time you think about them. But um, I think the, the one for me that, that, that I, I think of first, when I think of this book uh, had to do with a, a uh, a couple from the States that checked into a lodge that we were managing in the Timbavati, um, just back in the late nineties. And they were very, very, from the, from the moment they arrived very clearly not in their comfort zone. Uh, these were people that by virtue of 
having had neighbors that had gone on safari, had booked it to keep up with the Joneses or for whatever reason. But these were not nature people. They were not uh, folk that generally took holidays of this of this type and had now come rattling to Africa on an airplane and, um, uh, you know, a long sort of five, six hour transfer down from, from Joburg down to the Lowfelt, getting ever more progressively into wilderness and dirt roads and corrugations and, and elephants and things like that. So by the time they arrived at the lodge, they hadn't even started the safari yet. And the eyes were wide and, and, you know, anything that, that hissed or creaked, they, they, they were on edge, um, and looking around. It was winter, uh, the camp we managed in the Timbavati was was a, a high-end luxury camp, but in the classic East African style, it was under tents. It was it was under canvas. So beautifully appointed ensuite bedrooms, etc., but under canvas. Um, and so we showed these folk uh, as gingerly as we could to where they were sleeping. And they'd missed the game drive. They got in quite late. So they wandered up and we, we set, settled them down in the Boma. Uh, game drives arrived back. Uh, drinks were being had. The fire was going. It was delightful. And, and then it was time for everybody to be walked back to their, to their abodes. And this was an unfenced uh, camp in the Tumbavati, big five roaming freely. And so one is, is, is escorted back. Uh, with a guide who has a, a rifle and a, and a torch, flashlight. And um, the uh, it was winter. Uh, tents are not known for keeping you warm. And so uh, water bottles, hot water bottles, uh, are inserted. When our staff went to do the turndowns for the beds, these beautiful hot water bottles were inserted deep inside the bed to, to warm up the bedding ahead of ones uh, going to bed. And so uh, uh, these folk were taken to their tents, uh, safely ensconced inside, and everybody sort of scattered. Now it was time to clean up and pack away. About 10 minutes later, blood-curdling screams uh, issuing from this particular tent. And so you know, we're heading down uh, with with heavy caliber rifles and spotlights expecting, you know, uh, an elephant to be tearing it apart or a leopard inside doing doing something nasty. And we get there and the scene we were greeted with is just something enormously bizarre. What had happened was the folk had, had entered the tent, now exceptionally nervous after all that they've been exposed to in the last few hours. And had noticed these two lumps under the bed covers, <laughs> and and of course uh, the gentleman reached for we had uh, walking sticks and umbrellas in a in a in a thing next to the the entrance of the tent inside. He picked up uh, one of the walking sticks, one of the kitties, and he gently prodded one of the lumps. And of course, it's a water bottle, so it's going to go bloop bloop bloop, and it's going to move in a in a, in in quite a disturbing way. And of course, this this was this showed them that there was something live and terrible inside the bed. And so he began swatting these two lumps on on the bed um, until one of them burst. And of course, that just looked like he killed it and it was bleeding. All the while, the missus is standing at the furthest end of of where she could stand safely in the tent, screaming uh, as as if her life was ending. So we arrived to see this and and literally, I mean, took ages to settle them down. And uh, next morning they they had breakfast and were checking out. They couldn't get the hell out fast enough. 
And and yes, obviously prompted us from then onwards when you arrived at Boma or you were leaving Boma dinner on a winter's eve to go and uh, go to your tent and be guided to your tent. Water bottles from then onwards were handed to you and explained <laughs> as opposed to, to putting them into the tent. But yeah, that one, that one just, you just realized that um, you take a lot for granted when you live and work there and folk that come from you know, downtown Detroit or wherever it is, it's, it, they might as well be from another planet in many respects. And so you've got to really walk them through it in terms of what's there and, and how it all works. But yeah, that was, that was one that, 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 that swatting of a water bottle that just, uh, that blew me away. <laughs> you've got to hit a water bottle fairly hard to get the thing to burst. Let's be honest you, here. You, okay. You can, you can imagine how much adrenaline was driving that guy. Let me tell you, you probably thought there was a, there was a Python or something inside there. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it reminds yeah. me of, of when, when I was, when I was guiding, we often used to uh, do tours for a Belgian tour company, which involved us going from, uh, Nelspreet, uh, down to OR Tambo, picking them up back uh, there to a place in Hazerview, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. um, the, the, I was, I was chosen to, to work for this company because I had a fairly good understanding of Afrikaans. Um, and, and there's a whole lot more to the story, but I'll, I'll just give you an, I suppose the radio friendly bit is every time I stopped at a toll gate to pay the toll, I yeah. said to them, can I please have the slip? Which yeah. resulted in gales of laughter from behind me, <laughs> from these Belgians. And I had no idea what they were going on about. But the women were starting to look at me like I was really weird. And eventually when we got to the lodge that night, I said, you've got to tell me, you know, why are you laughing like this? And in Flemish, a slip is your underwear. So yeah. apparently I'd been, <laughs> yeah. I'd been asking the toll gate attendants to hand me their underwear. So uh, <laughs> <Love> <laughs> these are things that happen. Um, Indeed. Now, there's more. There's more stories. There's many more stories. Um, one of the things, though, that I've grown to love um, over the over the years is the honey badger, um, and and I had I was fortunate enough to have um, a personal relationship with a honey badger by the name of Stoffel, who yes. uh, was at Maholoholo with uh, Brian Jones. And, yeah, we know uh, Stoffel well. Yeah, Stoffel, Stoffel. There you go. <laughs> hey, look at that, Peter's. You can't see this, so. Uh, I'm going to tell you, he's just shown me his T-shirt, and he's got Mahola Holo on there. Um, there you go. And uh, Stoffel was one of the most amazing honey badgers I'd ever met. And, and his favorite thing is you could grab him and hold him and then roll him like a bowling ball. And that was the best thing ever in his life. He was also a major yeah. escape artist. And uh, yes. they, they had a lion uh, there as well at the time called Big Boy, who was literally one of the biggest lions I've ever seen in my life. And one day, industrious Stoffel escaped and got into Big Boy's cage. And we were there, and we heard this pitiful, pitiful noise coming from Big Boy's cage. And there he was, sitting on top of his little concrete enclosure, with Stoffel marching <laughs> around underneath, going, come down, buddy. Come down, and I will show you who's boss. You guys have a similar story, don't you, Peter? <laughs> well, we got, we got, we got lots of stories. Uh, the, the honey badgers uh, remind me. <laughs> okay, let let me go and see if I can find it again because I did actually mark several several places in the book. But of course, now that I'm trying to find it, I won't be able to. <laughs> well, that's uh, a, uh, it's what? in the bollocks, uh, page forty-one of Memoirs of a Safari Guide, um, and and I just love. 
the cartoon there with uh, this lion facing this honey badger and the honey badger's going, go ahead, punk, make my day. I think it revolved around just the, the, the uh, amongst certain ethnicities in, in uh, Southern Africa, there's this belief that uh, um, uh, honey badgers, in order to, to overpower a, uh, an animal of the male gender, especially a bigger animal, they go straight for the for the for the scrotum, and um, and on that basis, uh, when we when we were on foot safari, and I I had uh, uh, trekkers or colleagues with me from from the Shangan tribe, uh, and if we if we encountered honey badger on those walks, you'd find them moving quickly in the opposite direction with both hands, you know, protecting <laughs> their crotch. So so yeah, it was just that. You know, and, and when you when you haven't had that basis of understanding of the species, you just wonder the whole time why these guys immediately go to protect their their nether bits, and then you realize, oh, hold on a sec, there's this belief that uh, that's what he's going to go for first. And, and in, we, interestingly <laughs> enough, interestingly enough, I mean, the Shangan people. Um, when we were up in in our training area, we had Gideon. He was our Shangan tracker, and they are pretty much fearless, eh? Uh, aside are. from being sure. damn fine trackers, they're pretty much fearless. But yeah, the honey badger story is, is honey uh, badgers and snakes. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the one thing. Yeah, no. Um, Actually, I, I do have a, a honey badger story, which you where my brain was going when you asked me about honey badgers. It's not <laughs> in the book. It's funny. It'll be in the next book. And uh, I, I was uh, in my past life. One of the things I did was uh, trap, neuter, and release schemes for feral cats or stray cats or cats that live around hotels. Um, so I, I would, you know, come into a country armed with all sorts of traps and, and the whole veterinary business to, to get them, uh, uh, you know, treated and neutered, and then the healthy ones can go back where they're, they're looked after and keep the rodents down was the theory. And I was in a hotel one time and set all my traps out at night and uh, did my rounds last thing. And there was a, a, a big grey snarling creature that certainly wasn't a cat in one of my traps. And the manager of the hotel was with me, a Dutch guy, and, and uh, he said, I'll leave you to that one. And he just ran off. He just went. And I'm standing there in the middle of nowhere looking at this angry thing inside. And, and somehow I've got to open the trap and release him, you see. And I look around and this guy's gone inside a little outbuilding and he's looking at me through the window, laughing, <laughs> you see. So I thought, well, okay. And I, I worked out a way to, to open the lever of the trap so that the, 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 the animal, which I didn't know what it was at that point, um, could, could come out the way he went in, as it were. Um, so I did that, and he and, and this thing just shot out and, and ran off for cover. And I, you know, all I saw was a kind of flash of grey and black and white, and so on. And, I, and so I just set the trap again to try and catch some cats, and you know, just thought, oh, I've got some some local beastie there by mistake, you know. And I came back and I said to this guy, what, what 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 were you doing? You know, where did you go? You're supposed to be kind of helping me transfer cats into a carrying cage so that I can put them in the car and off to the vet and everything else. And he said, ah, oh, he said that was a honey badger. He said they they go for your nuts, you know. I'm not hanging around helping you. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks for telling me, man. You know? <laughs> so, uh, there, yeah. is, there, there is some something about them they are spectacular animals and they've got this shuffling walk which is like yeah. it's it's filled with intent and purpose and it's one of those Indeed. you know do not get in my way mortals yeah, because absolutely. i will just do bad things to you um and yet <laughs> I, I just i think they're amazing animals there's so many more stories gentlemen and i wish we had time to to discuss them and and to talk about them uh sadly 
We don't. We're running out of time. Uh, when we come back, though, we're going to wrap it up, find out a bit more about uh, you guys, where people can get hold of you, maybe uh, some of our locals, or indeed internationally. The podcast is is listened to internationally. Uh, we'd we'd uh, like to get hold of uh, you guys and go on a safari. This is what's involved sure. wrapping it up when we come back with my special guests, Andrew Ray and Peter Neville, authors of Memoirs of a Safari Guide. Back in a bit. Hey, like what you're hearing? Share the podcast with your family and friends and spread the word. This is what's involved. And we're back wrapping it up. My special guests have been Andrew Ray and Peter Neville, Memoirs of a Safari Guide. We are wrapping it up. So the book's out, uh, Andrew, and, and it's it's been out for a while now. Um, available in most good bookstores. Yeah, we we uh, we've got some wonderful uh, publicity um, folk that are are, ad, are helping us advertise and distribute the book. Um, the, probably the quickest way to get get one's hands on it inside South Africa is is online. If uh, if one looks up Willow Trading, uh, Willow Trading SA. .co.za um, is where one can f- uh, acquire a copy that, that will then be sent to you. Um, uh, Peter and I actually have two books up on that uh, with these publicity folk. Uh, one is called African Predators, which is basically a, uh, a, f- a field guide focusing on the large cat and dog-like carnivores of, of Africa. Um, and then, of course, memoirs of a safari guide. So Willow Trading, if one uh, Googles that or takes a look online, from a South African perspective, that's access to the hard copies. And obviously, they're working on distribution into into stores and game lodges and things of that ilk. And then uh, for folk outside of the country, um, on Amazon.com, uh, it's available as a as an e as an ebook. If you can, and and take this from me, okay. If you can, sure. rather get the actual physical book. The ebook is yeah. great, but there's there's something about having a book in your hands, and particularly this Agreed. one. Particularly this Thank one you. with the stories and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm fanatical about my books, um, and and people often say to me, "But it doesn't even look like you've read it. The spine isn't even cracked." I cannot say the same for this one because I just, you know, I need a little bit of a pick me up and a little bit of a, a reminder. I'll go and pay to pick a story, read it, and I'll feel much better afterwards. So get hold of that. Uh, Peter, you've also got uh, other publications available. If somebody wants to find out a bit more about Peter Neville, where do they go? Uh, again, the best way is just dial me up uh, on, on Amazon and all, all the books I've ever done, which are mainly about uh, you know domestic cats and dogs. Uh, but we just put out another one, another COVID production. Uh, when we'd finished Memoirs of a Safari Guide and African Predators, I got on to Russell uh, Jones, the cartoonist, and said, let's, uh, let's round up my old career with a book called Do Pets Need Shrinks? Uh, which is a, a look at all the crazy cats and dog cases that I've seen over 30 years in, in, in treating the, the, you know, the totally deranged members of the canine and feline world. So uh, that's just out. That's only available on, on Amazon Kindle at the moment, uh, but but literally just out. Another, you know, we have a lot to thank COVID for. Us three. <laughs> Listen, as you were talking about this, I'm thinking. I was just thinking to myself, and don't judge, okay? Just don't judge. But uh, we we have we have nine dogs. Wow, okay. that's a pack. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and and we've got so of those nine dogs, there are one, two, three, four Jack Russells, one Dash Hunt, and uh, then we move on to a Staffy, a Staffy Cross Bull Terrier, and two Rottweilers. 
Good. And our, our belief and our, you know, how we wanted our perfect life to be is that they would all live happily together. Um, <laughs> they didn't. Well, uh, I charged you for that information. <laughs> so, so now, now we have upstairs indoor animals, we have outside backyard animals, and we have downstairs outside animals. And so far, the separation seems to be working. We might need your help, Peter. We might need your help. <laughs> there's, um, there's enough for a whole conference in that lot. <laughs> Um, also, uh, Andrew, if somebody, if somebody's interested in going, listen, these guys sound like, I mean, I would sign up yesterday if I could to, to join you on a safari, but if somebody wants to go on a safari, they want to find out more about, uh, what Ray Safari is all about. Where do they go for that? Uh, website is www.raysafaris with an S on the end, one word, uh, .co.za. Um, and, R-A-E. Uh, R-A-E. R-A-E. S-A-F. A-R-I-S uh, .co .za. and uh, our, our various emails are, are on there um, in terms of a discussion about what one would like to do and some of our set departures uh, that we that we um, we market every year to to see the migration in in northern Tanzania um, gorilla trekking in Uganda uh, we're, we're in Galapagos in March next year um, so those kinds of departures are showcased on the website <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Guys, I don't wish another pandemic on any of us, but I do wish that second book, as I said, because um, I'm going to have wiped this one out in the next month or so. So uh, <laughs> we, we need to we need to make a plan there. Thank you so much to both of you for taking the time out and, and having a chat to us. It is an incredible book. It's a book that'll just bring a smile to your face. Um, and, and it's, it's amazing. And we didn't even get to talk about biscuits. Um, <laughs> we didn't get to talk about the sleepwalking rhinos or the boot eating <laughs> hyenas. Um, so there's a lot more, get yeah. the book. All my, all my favorite, the cleavage diving gecko. Sounds like a gecko after my own heart. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we wish you all the very, very best. Thank you. Thanks for having us. There we go. Wraps it up for this edition of What's Involved. To each and every one of you, take care, look after yourselves, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to What's Involved. We hope this episode inspires you to find your passion and live your dream. Don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. And to see what's happening, what's going on, and what's coming, follow What's Involved on Facebook and Twitter at What's Involved. Thanks again for listening.